The following is a presentation of the PTB Media Network. Parking the Bus podcast can be followed on Apple Podcasts and on Spotify, or if you have an Amazon Echo by simply saying, Alexa, play the Parking the Bus podcast. Don't forget to check out the show's homepage at www.parkingthebusmedia.com. You're listening to the Parking the Bus podcast's continuing coverage of Euro 2020 here on the PTB Media Network. What's up, PTB Nation? Welcome to episode 61 of Parking the Bus. And let's get that light a little lower there. All right, this is episode 61 of Parking the Bus. And we are talking about the quarterfinals, the last two quarterfinals to be played. They took place today in Euro 2020, of course. And as you know, this is 4th of July weekend, especially here in the United States. Um, happy, happy Independence Day to all the listeners in the United States of America. Enjoy the weekend and um, celebrate responsibly, of course. And because it's the 4th of July, oh yeah. <laughs> happy birthday, America. This one is for you. Now, we have two matches to talk about today. We've got we've got um, Denmark taking on the Czech Republic in the early one. And then, of course, we're going to talk about England today. And England pretty much um, came out today, and they uh, they showed everyone who's boss. To be honest, they, you know, we've we've been kind of negative on them on their style of play, perhaps on their on their tactics, on their manager. These homeboys still haven't conceded a goal. We're they're at the semifinals now. Five matches played. No goals conceded. At some point, you have to stop criticizing and start realizing maybe they know what they're doing. Maybe Gareth Southgate isn't completely incompetent. Maybe he's on to something here. But the first thing I want to say before we even get into this episode tonight is is from uh, last night's episode, okay? And who remembers what I said half-jokingly about Jaden Sancho? Is it a surprise? Is it a mystery? And I've talked to some of you about this uh, today, and um, we've exchanged text messages. We've exchanged Twitter DMs, all kinds of stuff. But um, but Jaden Sancho, now that apparently now that he's a Manchester United player, and now that he's a Premier League player, suddenly Gareth Southgate trusts him to play. Well, I think Jaden Sancho uh, showed today why he should have been starting all along. And there's some different conspiracy theories going on as to why he hasn't been playing. I don't want to say they're conspiracy theories, but there's different theories as to why he hasn't been playing. Um, Some say that the pending transfer and the possible possible injury that could dismantle the deal... um, I don't think Jay. I personally do not believe Jaden Sancho asked to stay out of these matches. I can't. I can't for one second believe that an international footballer um, would ask to not play for his country in in the Euros. This is as big as the World Cup. We're we're seeing this. Okay, each time these Euros take place, they are bigger than the than the one before. And this, you cannot. You can no longer differentiate. The difference in in the feeling and in the excitement and in the seriousness with which the Euro is approached to the World Cup. They are one in the same now. I mean, literally, these are two tournaments that are held equally by the teams that compete in both of them. So I don't believe for one moment that Jaden Sancho did not want to play. I know that theory has been thrown out there, but I, I don't subscribe to it. 
and maybe I'm I'm exaggerating when I say that Garrett Southgate didn't respect doesn't respect as much the players that apply their trade outside of England as to the ones that apply it in England. Uh, perhaps I'm exaggerating that a little bit. But yesterday I said half jokingly, watch now that he's a Premier League player, he's going to start tomorrow. Jaden Sancho starts tonight, and Jaden Sancho has himself a fantastic match. But you know what else this did, and this is why I'm laying off of Garrett Southgate now because um, this England team is good. Okay, we we part of our frustration with them is because we know they're good. Okay, we know that they are good. We know that they um, have potential and that they're a legitimate candidate to win this competition. Now, even more so. Now the pressure is on them. They're going home. They're going back to Wembley. They're going to have played six out of seven matches at Wembley, like I said yesterday, um, if they get to the final. And I expect them to get to the final. But they show just how deep they are that they can bring on a teenager and debut him in the quarterfinals of this competition. Not in the last group stage match. And I know it wasn't a debut. He has featured. He has played. But they can start him after having played so few minutes and just pop him into the starting lineup at this stage, at the quarterfinal stage, that that is a little, that is quite remarkable. Um, this team is so, so deep. I mean, you got a guy like Jordan Henderson coming in today making a difference, and he's third choice in his position now. I mean, crazy. Jude Bellingham comes in. This is a guy that was phenomenal in the Bundesliga all season. Um, just the sub, Kieran Trippier comes in late for for uh, Luke Shaw. It's like they are so deep. Harry Kane's starting to find his form. He's starting to feel it a little bit. Um, maybe he's starting to get some more some more wind on his sails, some more juice in his legs. I don't know, but uh, Harry Kane has arrived at Euro 2020 in the last two matches, and now England are scary. That's the bottom line. They are scary. We've joked about them. We've talked about them. We've criticized their style of play, their methodology, their their approach to these games. But at the end of the day, they're in the semifinals. They're in the last four. They're playing at home. They're facing Denmark. And they've got their eyes set, obviously, on a historic final against one of the Latin countries, either Italy or Spain. So... This tournament has just been phenomenal, and um, it has been an absolute joy to come to you each and every night that there have been matches since the start of this tournament, and it, it hasn't always been easy, and I do apologize for coming on late tonight. I do have to now, I do now have to travel a little bit to come to a better location to record uh, where I have a much better signal and you get a much better quality of picture and of sound. So this goes as much for the the live stream as it goes for the the podcast. And for those of you on the podcast, and if you're listening for the first time, welcome. I am the Mr. Mike Agustinu, and you're listening to the Parking the Bus podcast here on the PTB Media Network. And we're about to dive in to the Czech Republic versus Denmark in just a minute. But those were some of my observations today in this final day of the quarterfinal stage. And as I look forward now and look ahead to the semifinals, I can't believe we're already here. Uh, when, I, when we first started this project, okay, and I was reaching out to different people to come on and to help me out with this, and I've gotten so much help from, from especially from Matt Fade, my play. He has been phenomenal whenever he is available. He has been on here with me. I mean, yesterday he managed to, to, <laughs> to call in, if you will, uh, while in transit, while driving, he was he was talking to us, you know, hands free, of course, driving safely, but 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 talking to us and bringing his perspective. And I really, really have appreciated his perspective this entire tournament. And um, we've also had we've also had at um, at James Mix Picks, JMP has been sending videos to, with some previews. So, um, and also Leo at, at DGENs United has helped me out as well. He got me those two guys, first of all, on loan from BTV. So thank you to him um, as he arranged that. We can call it a loan deal from Better Than Dot Vegas. Um, but he's also been on here when, when available. And it has been absolutely fantastic uh, to be able to bring this content to you each and every night. Like I said, the numbers on YouTube, I've said this before, the numbers on YouTube are what they are. I have not put a lot of energy 
into tagging the episodes, into titling them correctly. It's all about the content for me and the numbers that we've had on most nights, especially on weeknights on Periscope have for me fulfilled. Um, they fulfilled every expectation I had. The The podcast numbers aren't as high because you guys are watching live. I totally get that. But at the end of the day, it has been a pleasure to to bring this content to you these past, what are we at, two weeks now? Uh, it, it's just been, when this first started, it seemed so daunting to me. I didn't know how with my work schedule, if you don't know, I work two jobs. I don't work one job. I work two jobs, and I'm not counting this. I work um, as a package handler, as a, a loader uh, for a shipping company in the wee early hours of the morning, usually from 3 a.m. to 9 a.m. Um, that's my part-time gig. And then I go into my full-time gig after as a supervisor in a call center um, working with customers. And I do that from 11 a.m. to 7.30 p.m. And I really, really didn't know how I was going to put together a nightly podcast, a nightly live stream when I couldn't get on before 8 p.m. each night. And, um, well, we've made it happen, which I it was so daunting at first, but the 13 consecutive nights of matches just flew by. They absolutely flew by. And now here we are. We have three, three Euro episodes left. There will be a bonus episode in there, though. I told you last night I did uh, announce that next Saturday night, I will go live. Okay. I'll go live. I'm not sure what time yet. It won't be. It's going to be a later episode because I'm doing a sleepover with my son. Um, I'm bringing my son here to my parents' empty house, and we're going to hang out here for the night to give my wife a nice night of quiet. So I'm going to be putting him to bed before I go live next Saturday. But next Saturday, I will break down the Copa America final which will be played next Saturday, and I'll also preview the final of Euro 2020. So there are four more episodes in this Euro 2020 and somewhat slash Copa America um, project, and I look forward to bringing those to you. But again, to everyone who's helped me along the way, and to all of you who've watched, you know, several times, and to those of you that have come in the chat and helped with that and just just been interactive with the show. I couldn't have done any of this without you, and I appreciate it wholeheartedly. And I'm getting a a text again asking what jersey I am wearing tonight. Guys, this jersey is the jersey of my first club, if you will. The club I broke into pro soccer with as as a coach, as a staff coach. This is the original Boston victory kit I'm wearing today, the red and black stripes played in the USL PDL here in the United States back in 2011. I believe it was, I was on the staff for that inaugural season and it was an absolute dream come true. And um, well, it's a Jersey I had left here at this house and I saw it. So tonight I am rocking the Boston victory uh, 2011 Jersey. Last night I was rocking a Hartford athletic Jersey. So, um, I'm going to try to keep this jersey theme going for the rest of the tournament. But, yeah, that, that's what I'm wearing tonight, guys. I'm wearing the Boston Victory 2011 kit, a USL jersey, um, from an amazing experience I had all those years ago, now 10 years ago, when I was in pro soccer as a staff coach. All right, let's move on now to uh, the first of two quarterfinals today, Czech Republic versus Denmark, and the match was played in – in Baku, uh, Baku, Azerbaijan at the Olympic Stadium there. The Dutch referee Bjorn Kuypers in charge, and the attendance is, is listed at 16,306. Let's look at the lineups. We'll start with the Czech Republic. Thomas Vaslik is the goalkeeper. 4-2-3-1, their formation. Uh, Vladimir Kufal in the back with Andres uh, Selutuska. Thomas Kalas and Jan Boril in the back. The double pivot in midfield, Tomas Sosek and Tomas Holes partner up behind the attacking midfielders, Lucas Masopust, Antonin Barak, and Peter Sevsik with the striker Patrick Schick uh, playing alone in the front. And he is now joint top scorer in this competition alongside Cristiano Ronaldo. And, um, well, he's. We know the result of this match now, so he will all. He will 
he will exit the competition with with five goals, just like Ronaldo did. Um, but another good performance from Patrick Schick, and maybe this is a guy that some clubs should be uh, more more um, attentive to, as I think you know he he has shown in this competition that he is quite good. Uh, anytime you can pick up five goals in five matches, that that's a great great. A great um, goal scoring total, a great goal scoring tally, and I think that he he showed so much quality in this in this tournament, and perhaps he may have caught the eye of some clubs. We'll see. Uh, he's a he's a solid Bundesliga player. There's so many good players in the Bundesliga. I love that league, and you can see why. For Denmark, they would line up in their familiar three four two one. Goalkeeper is, of course, Kasper Schmeichel, the son of the great Peter Schmeichel, who won this competition, who led Denmark to the uh, to winning this competition at Euro 92 some almost 30 years ago now, some 29 years ago. No, yes, 29 years ago. Um, Peter Schmeichel, of course, a legend, Manchester United. His son Kasper, once again, the goalkeeper tonight. Uh, the three-man backline, Andreas Christensen, Simon Krajar, and Yannick Vestergaard. With four in midfield, it's Jans Larsen, Pierre-Emile Hoiberg, Thomas Stellini, and Joachim Mele. With two attacking midfielders in, or you can call them withdrawn forwards. It's Mikael Damsgaard and Martin Braithwaite behind the striker, Kasper Dolberg. So Dolberg is also a guy who's getting his name on the score sheet. Doiberg is a player who has also helped make a name for himself in this competition. He's got three goals so far. He plays his club football in Ligue 1 for Nice. He's 23 years old, six foot, one inch tall. And uh, he's he's really done a great job for, for Denmark, you know, especially a team that's had to rally or rally together. And, you know, they're dealing with the absence of course of Christian Eriksen, who, if you can, it feels like it was a month ago now, but it was only a couple of weeks ago when that, that scary, scary situation happened in Copenhagen in their opening match. And, you know, this team has been through so much and for them to still be here, it's such a, it's such a great story. And I do hope that this is still going to be the story of the tournament, regardless of who lifts the trophy. I think when the movie is made on this competition and on this trophy, and when we look back 30 years from now in our old age, and we look back at Euro 2020 that was played in 2021, um, so many things to remember. First of all, it's 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 the the funny branding that it's still being called 2020. It's it's a a Euro being played in a pandemic. Let's keep that in mind. We're seeing, we'll see in 30 years what we're gonna what we're gonna remember about these matches being played in front of you know partial crowds. We're coming off a 15 month period where we've had only empty stadium matches up until very very recently before this tournament. So it's such a a strange tournament. Such a it exists in such a vacuum, and I think this store this tournament's gonna be so historic, and it's gonna be looked back at so fondly as the years go on. I really, really believe this because there's just been so many stories and so many so many narratives to share and to remember, and of course, none bigger than Christian Eriksen going into cardiac arrest back on the first match day, and um, of course, you know the entire world really on the edge of their seat hope waiting for the good news that he was going to be okay as his life actually hung in the balance we know his life was saved by the speedy reaction and this the highly skilled work of the medics who treated him on the spot on the pitch we know he owes the rest of his life to the invention of, of the automatic electronic defibrillator the AED because that got him going and and what a great invention the AED is the defibrillator i mean just think about how many lives have been saved with that invention it's it's it, it's just astronomical and again this Den- denmark team was put through so much adversity having to play that day against finland losing to their neighbors you know 
and wondering if they were even going to get out of the group stage after losing but outplaying Belgium in the second match day. They came through in the clutch. They had to win by three goals on the final match day. They did that. Then they won comfortably in the round of 16. And today, in my opinion, it was a better, closer match, but I think they still won with comfort, with um, with a sense of control. I think that Denmark really were very good again. Um, they, they really picked their spots, and they really... I, I'm not saying that the Czechs didn't play well as well also. Um, but in the start of the match, the, the Danes got the match started the way they needed to. Uh, we get goals here in the fifth minute from Thomas Delaney. The, the Borussia Dortmund midfielder scores on a header off of a corner kick from Jans Larsen. The ball is placed perfectly. And let's be honest, the Czech Republic falls asleep on their marking. And they're, wa they're ball watching as Delaney rises and heads it into the far post. Um, and he beats Vasilik with the header and nothing Vasilik can do about it. It's 1-0, five minutes in. And that is not the tone you want. That is not the start you want if you are the Czech Republic. Um, and then before halftime, it was Kasper Dolberg again scoring, getting his third, if I'm not mistaken, of the competition. He um, gets an assist from Joe Kim, uh, Joe Kim Myla, I believe is how you say it, Mele Myla. He um, he puts Denmark ahead by two going in to the halftime break. And you're thinking like it could – I was thinking this this could be another three or four nil like they did to Wales. But, no, the, the Czechs respond well. And, actually, the, the man of the match, according – to the fought mob app here on the player ratings was the goalkeeper. No, it was not the goalkeeper. It was, it was Vladimir Kufal, the defender for the Czech Republic. So the Czechs improve at halftime. They make two substitutes. On comes Jakob Janko for Thomas Holes. And on comes Michael Krimisic for Lucas Masopust. And in the... In the 49th minute, none other than Patrick Schick picks up his fifth goal of the competition. Uh, he's assisted by Vladimir Kufal, and it prompts some changes in the Danish side in the 59th and 60th, a double substitution. We see the return to the pitch of Yusef Paulsen. We haven't seen him in a little while, uh, about a match and a half or so, though we had not seen Yusef Paulsen. He replaces Kasper Dolberg, and Christian Norgard replaces Mikkel Damsgaard. Uh, 65th minute, we get an we get another substitution. Jakub Brabic comes on for Salutska, and Daniel Vass will also come on for the Danes in the 71st. And it's a match that get, it goes back and forth here. But again, I feel like I know that in the statistical categories, the Czechs have the better edge. But that's because the Czechs are chasing the match from a very early, uh, very early moment. Okay, going down a goal to nil in the fifth minute, the Czechs really have to have more of the ball. They have to create more chances because they're losing. I'll, I'll run down the statistical um, breakdown here. The ball possession went fifty-five percent to forty to forty-five percent in favor of the Czech Republic, with sixteen total shots to eleven. Also in favor of the Czech Republic, slight edge for the Czech Republic there. Chances created, you've got 14 chances created by the Czechs, 13 by the Danes. That's a pretty, that's a wash pretty much. That's a pretty balanced um, match in terms of chances created. I think that, you know, both teams had their their share. The, the Czechs connected more passes, but again, that's because they went down so early and they were allowed to have more of the ball because Denmark are playing with the lead. That's only natural. That's what a lot of teams in that situation are going to do when they have a lead. They're going to they're going to sit back a little bit more, maybe not all the way, but they're going to sit back a little bit more, and they're going to allow you to have some of the ball. Um, the pass success rate is almost the same, 80% to 76%. Denmark committed a few more fouls. Um, Czech Republic had a few more corners. At the end of the day, the Czechs edge the Danes in, in every category just slightly, but you get a that you get a sense that those stats don't tell the story again timing is so important in this in this sport um timing is such a 
a catalyst for what will transpire over the 90 minutes. And, you know, um, going down a goal to nil in the fifth minute, one, causes can cause you to panic. Two, gives an unbelievable sense of comfort to your opponent, especially an experienced, really professional, really united side like Denmark. Um, you can just see that they that they were comfortable with that lead that they were not worried um they were put at ease obviously and they're coming off a 4-0 victory so i think they're coming in confident anyway and you get that early goal and it just reassures that confidence just re incentivates you and just tells you that yep keep you know do your job stay on the course um you know follow follow your manager stay the course and good things will continue to happen and for me it's a deserved passage to the semifinals for Denmark which sets up um, a very good and interesting and enticing matchup with England in the semifinals at Wembley there will be Viking helmets at Wembley on Wednesday when the Danes come in to take on the host nation but at the end of the day, again, a very, very uh, good job done by Denmark in this one. And just the fact that they're they're playing with house money, like we said. And we talked about how maybe they wouldn't even be able, once that they got over the the whole emotional side, and once they, they burned all that emotion to get into the knockout stages, we wondered if they would even have it to continue. And this team has seen new life. That Wales match breathed new life into this Danish team. And it's just been a a fantastic run of form for for Denmark uh, since since the match against um, against was it the Ukraine? Who did since their man? I'm gonna go back here because I don't want to misspeak, and the group stages are already a distant memory for me. But since their match with Russia, excuse me, it was their match with Russia. They have been just absolutely cruising, and who knows? If anybody's going to get a goal on England, why not Denmark? I still want to see what's intriguing me right now is how will England react if they do surrender, having played without surrendering a goal this long, without having trailed this long. Now the real intrigue is how will they react if it happens? Maybe it won't happen. Maybe England do ride this one out and finally it comes home. Um, listen, I'm getting more and more convinced by them every time I see them. They're doing what championship teams do in these tournaments, and that is getting just a little bit better every match. We can move now to the this England match and... Um, this one was played at the Olimpico in Rome. And boy, was I wrong when I said that Italians would come into the stadium and support the Ukraine. There was It was overwhelmingly a pro-England crowd today. Um, so much for travel bans, I guess. I, I, I find it hard to imagine there's that many expats, British expats, living in Italy. But I suppose they could come from somewhere else in continental Europe and get there or perhaps some of them just just gambled and got the tickets and isolated and didn't wait for the results to get to get England into the into the match who knows but England once again well supported tonight at the Olympico and um a man of the match performance for Harry Kane he like I said he has arrived now Harry Kane is here the England captain has broken from the doldrums He's now he's now flying. The sails are at full mass, and he is cutting the breakers and heading towards the shore that is the Euro 2020 final, where the ultimate prize is on the line. And I think, man, England are just, they're in a great spot right now. And if you're English, you've got to be very, very confident right now. You've got, I know you're trying to, to, You're trying to contain your emotions and trying to stay rational, trying to stay focused and trying to stay, you know, balanced and even keel. 
Because if there's one thing that can trip you up now, it is getting complacent and looking ahead. And what intrigues me about this upcoming semifinal is possibly the possibility that this England team may think they're already in the final. And the only thing I think that could hurt them is if they go in with that attitude, which they haven't done that, but they haven't come off a 4-0 victory like this yet. So this is going to inject even more confidence Maybe not. Maybe the players are, you know, the players I think are more keyed in and more in sync with reality. But the fan base and the media, I think they're running with this one. They they're running with the "It's Coming Home" tagline. I mean, again, like I said last night, that song has been resurrected after 25 years. I remember hearing that song as a kid when when it was Euro '96, the first Euro I was able to sit down and actually watch. And um, it was an amazing tournament. And I remember that song. I remember Three Lions, It's Coming Home. And, you know, then I forgot about it for 25 years. I mean, I've heard the, the phrase. The phrase has been used. But the song was, was, was out of my mind, out of mind, out of sight, you know. And here it is again just being played in stadiums all these years later. It's, it's, it's fantastic. Uh, let's go to the lineups here. We'll start with the the Ukraine, who basically had the worst possible, just like the Czechs, worst possible spot a start they could have possibly had in this uh, quarterfinal matchup. The one thing they needed to do was to not surrender early, so that maybe some of that pressure, maybe some of that anxiety, could set into this English side. Nope, not at all. Um, George Buscan is the goalkeeper. Tough, tough night for George Buscan. Five in the back. The right wing back is Alexander Karavev. The left wing back is Vitali Mykolenko with three central defenders. Ilya Zabarny on the right center. Sergei Kristof as the deep center. And Mikola Matvienko as the left center back. Three in midfield. Sedri Sidorchuk is in the center anchoring with Alexander Zenchenko to his left and, and Mikola Sarpenko to his right. And then in a, the forward duo is Andrei Yarmolenko and Roman Yarmichuk. Now, to say that I am disappointed with the performance of the Ukraine today is an understatement because the one thing I didn't expect was to see the Ukraine kind of quit the way they did. Um, they fought hard all turn. Maybe they just ran out of gas. Maybe they just ran out of cards. Maybe this was just one opponent too too high, too far, too much of a reach for Andrei Shevchenko's side. Of course, the former great striker, Andrei Shevchenko, who um, played for AC Milan, for... Um, Chelsea and in, in the Ukraine for Dinamo Kiev. He's now the manager of the Ukraine. He's probably the Ukraine's greatest footballer ever, at least as a nation, as the Ukraine. In the days of the Soviet Union, the Soviet Union's teams were made up of many, many Ukrainians. So you could argue that though that one of them is the greatest of all time. But at least in the age of independence, in the age of being its own nation. The Ukraine's best footballer is definitely the manager of this team, Andrei Sevchenko. And that was the team he put out there, 5-3-2. They tried, to, they tried, but I think that too many things went wrong for them in this match. Everything that they couldn't allow to happen happened. And that allowed England to play really comfortably and really confidently. And again, how about the depth for this England side? Maybe, just maybe Gareth Southgate knows what he's doing, okay? Maybe us internet and couch managers should uh, maybe let it rest now and realize that this guy knows what he's doing. He sends out a 4-2-3-1. Now, I didn't expect him to go with three at the back, and they didn't. So that was, that was um, as I had at least predicted, and many also agreed with me. Uh, the goalkeeper, of course, is Jordan Pickford. Still a clean sheet. Five clean sheets now on the trot in this competition. All five matches, all five are clean sheets for Jordan Pickford. 
The right back is Kyle Walker, John Stones, and Harry Maguire pair in the center of defense. Luke Shaw, the left back, double pivot in midfield. Again, despite people's objections, and you know what? Again, Gareth Southgate not listening to the noise from any of us, definitely not listening to the British media, not listening to the England fans on what they want. And um, he's continuing to, again, stay the course and to believe in his process, believe in his philosophies, and believe that it's going to carry this team through to the final. His double pivot, of course, Declan Rice and Calvin Phillips. So there wasn't the change there that I had thought we might see. And I have an update. It looks like we have a goal in Copa America. Um, as you know, they, they're playing their final quarterfinal right now. So I'll take a moment to just let you know I'm up. I am refreshing my page here. It is Argentina with the goal. Goal scored by... It's not telling me who scored it. But uh, it was a goal scored for Argentina. Uh, let's see here. Yeah, SofaScore is not telling me who scored it yet. I think it's too soon. But uh, Argentina take the lead 1-0 against Ecuador. And earlier today, I guess there's no need for a bonus <laughs> segment here. Earlier today, we had we had Colombia beating uh, Uruguay on penalties. And Colombia advances to the semifinals. And now Argentina ahead of Ecuador. Anyway, um, semifinals start Monday in Copa America. Back now to this England-Ukraine match. As I was saying, Calvin Phillips and Declan Rice, the double pivot in midfield in front of him. The return of Mason Mount. He's out of isolation. He is, you know, healthy. And he returns to the lineup to his left, Raheem Sterling. Again, a player I think I at this point I need to stop criticizing because he continues to produce. Even if... I look and think he can do more or I have seen him do more and I'm judging him based on that. He is producing and I'm sure that uh, his manager is very happy with him right now. And to his right, guess who said it last night? Jaden Sancho finally gets a start here. And Jaden Sancho has himself a fantastic match for a guy who's been riding on the pine for five matches, for the better part of five matches. And they're, of course, playing in support of the lone striker, Harry Kane. This match starts right off the bat. It is Harry Kane very early on a absolutely perfectly timed run between the two defenders and on the end of an absolutely perfectly weighted pass from Raheem Sterling. And I know Leo is going to be happy and feel vindicated to hear me say this, that Raheem Sterling with a huge assist here and to do it in the, in, in the fourth minute is like sending a shot across the bow. It's like firing a cannon across the bow and letting your opponent know not today, either retreat now or pay the price. And in the fourth minute, England to take the lead. Thanks to Harry Kane. And I have a lot of questions to ask of George Buscan on this goal. As George Buscan comes out, and I thought he could have done better. What he did, and maybe a goalkeeper can correct me and say that he did this right. I understand he came out with both of his hands down by his, by his sides to protect against the low ball. Because he's he's running out, so he's he's tall, but he's not wide when you're running out like that. So he's using his hands to get more width and to get lower. The problem I had was when you do that and the shot comes up, you have to make your chest big. And I prefer goalkeepers to save shots with their hands, obviously, by getting their hands up. But he was, it was obviously too close range and... Harry Kane has a little bit of an unorthodox shot here as he slides and kind of toe pokes it in the in the motion of sliding, which for which makes it impossible for the goalkeeper to judge where that ball is going to go. Thus, his hand stayed down. He tried to stop it with his chest, but his hips were not square. If you if you will, he he was turned just a bit, and because he was turned when he put his chest out to try to stop the ball, it just rolled right by him. Um, with the spin of it and continued on its path into the goal. 
Harry Kane making it 1-0, but I think that um, possibly I'm wrong. A goalkeeping coach or a goalkeeper is more than welcome to correct me on this. This is not my level of expertise, of course, but I felt initially at least like he could have done better with that. Um, I thought coming out square like that and then, well, not square, but coming out standing up straight but with your hips tilted gave a clear Clear path to the goal for the ball as Harry Kane slid onto it and then poked it past him. 1-0 to England. Ukraine gets a little bit of momentum going, though, in this first half. They do improve, and they get some opportunities. The problem is they make nothing of their opportunities. Um, there's one shot fired, and I think this was by England. I think it was from, from uh, Calvin Phillips. And again... George Buscon, like almost doesn't see it till the last second. He's moving his, he's shuffling from right to left and suddenly throws his hands back to his right and just saves it and parries it in a ball that you would expect to go. I know it was hit with a lot of pace and was on a rope and there wasn't much spin, but you expect a goalkeeper at this level to catch that. And he didn't because he was in movement. I don't know if he didn't see it as well. I don't know if his vision was obstructed, but he was moving side to side and as a result put his hands up late and then just pushed the ball off to the side. Uh, Jordan Jordan Pickford had a similar save on one that came in real, real hard, and he managed to just save it and parry it up and over where uh, I also thought he could possibly catch it. But the Ukraine get a few set pieces, a few corner kicks, but unable to to finalize on anything, unable to really put anything else on frame. Um, we look at their stats, and the Ukraine had seven total shots, but only three on goal, and, and none of them considered big chances. The Ukraine hung in, in in just about every other statistical category. They used fouls to keep the game rhythm from getting out of hand, which I think was a smart play. They would foul often. Ten fouls on the Ukraine versus four for England. And they they matched England in terms of possession. It was it was 51-49 in favor of England in possession. Almost nothing to split there. Um, you know, it's almost even at that point. But again, unable to get to get a goal and unable to, to draw level before halftime. And then we come out for the second half and before you can even, you hope that you made it back from the fridge on time. <laughs> and if you went to the fridge to get a beer, um, as the second half was starting, you missed Harry. You missed uh, Harry Kane's goal from from right from uh, sorry Harry Maguire's goal from Luke Shaw. It was early, two nil. Four minutes later, uh, while you're getting your chips, <laughs> if you <laughs> Harry Kane scores again, gets a double. And it's another assist for Luke Shaw. Very good game once again for Luke Shaw. Um, he's silencing the naysayers, including myself, who I had not been always the biggest fan of Luke Shaw. I was originally, then I cooled off on him. But I'm I'm impressed with what Luke Shaw is bringing to the table in this competition. Um, Three nil, five minutes into the second half, and that's exactly what could not happen if you were the Ukraine. You couldn't surrender early. You did. You came out in the second half, and you could not let history repeat itself. You had to come out extra focused, extra careful. And if I'm Sevchenko, I'm telling him until the 60-minute mark, keep it 1-0. Do not let them get away from us. They're going to come out strong. And they did come out strong. In the first five minutes, they get two, and this one now is out of reach. Jordan Henderson enters the match in the 57th place in Declan Rice. And in the 63rd, yep. Jordan Henderson gets on the score sheet, his first career international goal for England. He gets a header off a corner from Mason Mount, 4-0 to England. And then we see mass substitutions that just remind us how friggin' deep this England team is. Kieran Trippia, best 11 in La Liga. I've said it a, a million times by now. Um, he replaces Luke Shaw. Marcus Rashford replaces Raheem Sterling. Jude Bellingham replaces Calvin Phillips. And then in the 73rd, Dominic Calvert-Lewin replaces Harry Kane. And um, 
Well, I was glad Harry Kane wasn't kept on and didn't get a hat trick and get within one of Cristiano as well. I would love to see, of course, Cristiano Ronaldo win the golden boot in this competition. Um, but Harry Kane now only – he's got three goals. He's only two behind him. Uh, probably the, he is the player with the best chance, but there's also still Ciro Immobile. Uh, Insigne has got a couple goals. You've got a couple guys on Spain. So you could see – it is possible still that someone else can take this. But Harry Kane is probably the most equipped and the favorite now to – if anyone is going to take this golden boot away from – Ronaldo and Schick, it's going to be him. Um, he exits here in the 73rd. And England see out the result in front of 11,880 supporters in uh, in Rome today. The Stadio Olimpico, Felix Birch, of course, was the referee from Germany. But again, just a solid, solid performance from England. And how can they not be just absolutely uh, sky high right now. If you are an England fan, you there's no way you, unless you are in your 70s, 60s, maybe, there is no way you have felt this way before, this confident. There's no way because you are now farther. You're at the semifinal stage again, but this time it's not Germany or West Germany in your way. Okay. This time, this time it is, and it's also not, uh, it's not Croatia that we saw two, three years ago at the World Cup either, where, where England also got to the semifinals. So another trip to the semifinals for England. And with all due respect, and as much as I love what Denmark has done at the beginning of the tournament, if you were told you're going to get Denmark in the semifinals, any team would say, sign me up for that. And, and it's not disrespect. It's just, you get to the semifinals and you expect a Germany, a France, you know, a Belgium to be there. Uh, I think England have to really be liking their chances right now. England fans have to be beside themselves um, just trying to keep it in check. But I do think if there is a match where England can get shocked, I think it could be the semifinal. And here's why, okay? And I'm not saying this is going to happen, but if I am in the Denmark camp, I am going to be believing that this can happen. Okay. Everyone in their mother has England penciled into the final now. Keep that in mind. There's one hurdle left. And the perception is that it's not a very high one. I just told you that. If you're Denmark... And if you score first and you put them under pressure and they get the ideas starting to float in their mind again, that it's, it's you know, this semifinal curse or this this insurmountable challenge that we, we run into at semifinals, you can implant those thoughts in their head if you come out with the right approach and you do everything that the Ukraine did not do today. You have to not surrender early. Now, the Danes are going to know the English better than just about anybody, okay? So many Premier League players in that Dan Danish team, okay? They're, you know, Kasper Schmeichel, again, major Premier League player. Um, just even if they're not Premier League players, that Danish team, you know, is very, very familiar with the English Premier League. And they're thinking, why not us? They're thinking, this is our year. If you're in the Denmark camp, you're also believing the stars are aligning for you right now. How can you not be? You got past such adversity that nobody else in this tournament has even come close to dealing with. You you surpassed those odds. England hasn't faced any adversity yet. To their credit, they've they've played well. But if you can be the ones to fire the first shot, if you can be the first ones to wound the English you can be the first ones to put one by Jordan Pickford, my friends, we got a match on our hands, and I hope we have a match on our hands, okay? I'm less interested in the result of this semifinal. I'm more interested in how it's going to play out. What really intrigues me is the how, not the what. Um, I do believe we're going to see, you know, a Anglo-Latin, if you will, final. 
in in London. It's going to be the ultimate storyline for the tournament, the home side, taking on, you know, one of the Latin sides that have dominated this tournament since the year 2000. It's been Latin sides winning it, okay? Fr- France, Greece, uh, Spain, and Portugal. Those are the teams that have won the that have won the Euros since the year 2000, since Germany won it last in 1996, the last time. A non-Latin country um, or non-Southern, you can say non-Southern European um, nation won this competition. So Italy and Spain are both playing for, for you know, the Latin countries now. Uh, whoever comes out of that semifinal. England are playing for England. There is no question about it. Um, again, they're playing for a public and a population that has waited 54 years, 55 years, excuse me, 55 years in real time, uh, to be in a final 1966 was the last final and the only final England have played in, in international football, England, the creators of this game, the ones who took this game to the countries that have dominated them. It was the English who brought football to South America, to Brazil, and to Argentina. It was the English who brought football to Spain and and Italy and Portugal. Okay, Hence why there's so many teams with English names in, in South America and in Latin Europe. Hence why it's, an, it's AC Milan, it's not Milano. Hence why it's Sporting Club of Portugal. Hence why you have a Sporting Gijón or a Football Club Barcelona, not a Club Football Barcelona, right? Um, Some of the names have been adapted over the years, but they were founded with English names. Those are just a few of the ones that, you know, that strike out. River Plate, Boca Juniors. These are English teams, Corinthians in Brazil. These are a, these are teams founded by English railroad and telecommunications workers that laid down the Marconi. They the English workers laid down the Marconi telegraph line, the transatlantic cables, and where they went, they founded. They brought football, and today it is the world's game because of the English and their their bringing it around the world. So to some extent, yes, I, I can get behind the football, <laughs> football's coming home uh, sentiment. They play like they're two games away. I mean, the, if you are an England fan, once again, how are you not? You have to, at this point, be allowing yourself to imagine the possibility. And maybe for the first time in your life, you're not asking, how are they going to let this one slip? It seems meant to be. But if you're Denmark... You also believe that it just seems meant to be because look at how everything has played. You have needed very specific things to happen since match day three, and they have all happened. I can't wait for the semifinals. Where are you all at? Go ahead and send me a message. You can DM me on Twitter and on Instagram at PTB underscore media. You can email me at PTB media network at gmail.com, or you can also, um, you can also just, well, just tweet it. You can go to the Facebook page as well. I'll see it there. Um, again, that's just the Parking the Bus Facebook page. Or you can you can leave a message or a comment on the website, www.parkingthebusmedia.com. That's going to do it for this edition of Parking the Bus. This was episode 61. It is in the books. We only have a few left in this Euro and then I think I'm taking a little bit of a sabbatical a week or so. Maybe not. Maybe I'll continue to cover just the Brazilian league for a week or so. Actually, I can't do that because Copa Libertadores returns just three nights after the end of Euro 2020 and the end of Copa America. But um, at least for a couple of days, I will definitely take a little sabbatical. But we've got we've got some football still to watch, don't we? All right. Tuesday, Italy versus Spain. Wednesday, England versus Denmark. It's going to do it for this episode. Thank you, everybody, for watching. Thank you, everybody, for you know the emails, the the inboxes, um, and all of the support. I appreciate all of it, and obviously, thank you to everyone that helps me with this as well. We'll all we'll be back Tuesday night 
8.30 p.m. Eastern time. It will go on at that time. I will get here for 8.30 p.m. Eastern time. That's 5.30 Pacific, which makes it 1.30 a.m. London time, you know, an hour later in Central Europe. Wherever you're listening, you know, I will be here. If you don't catch it live, just download the podcast at Apple Podcasts or at Spotify. And also, if you don't want to download anything, if you just want to listen, you can go to www.parkingthebusandmedia.com. There's a playlist there with the last 25 episodes. You can just play it from there, or you can watch the video in the in the video playlist that's also at the top of the main page and at the top of the blog in the website, www.parkingthebusandmedia.com. I am the Mr. Mike Agustinu, and I am signing off. And actually, before I go, we do need to do this, so I am going to put this up on the screen for you all right now. I almost forgot. We haven't looked at this in a couple of day in quite a while. Let's look at the leaderboard in the parking the bus pick 'em challenge. And I think I have it here. Let's see what we got. So there we have it. DMAC is still in the lead with 23 points, one ahead of James Allen Arnold. Lucas Diedrich is right behind him, along with at E. Unum. Uh, 1904 they have 21 points each they're fighting for third there to get on the podium since this is an olympic year we'll call it a podium there's a gold silver and a bronze medal at stake and then just outside in a europa league spot is my wife uh, shockingly i don't know how she is is doing so well she does not watch any football between the major tournaments she only watches the euros in the world cup and she does, as an Italy fan, she was she's meeting a lot of these players for the first time. But she's got herself in fifth place along with Rimo, at Rimo Cray, uh, Josh Mars and Josh Marsal. They're all on 20 points. Mario up in Toronto, my boy up there, he's got 19, as, as, as does my father. Uh, Alexi Tehran also on 19, as is Leo Kukakis. As you know, he's at DGN's United. And at James Makes Picks, he's... He's got 19 as well. Claudio Abrunosa Pardal and Brian Hannaford and Tiago Gomes have 18 points. Nuno Pereira at Moonblast uh, X also, they have 16 and they're sharing 16th place right now. Matthew Cadet, Zachary Grimes, the PTV Media Network, those three, 18th place right now, fighting off relegation uh, with 15 points. And in the relegation zone is yours truly. With only 14 points, and I can say I have no teams left in this competition. All of my final four are gone. Um, and below me, of course, is my five-year-old son. He, he's he got 10 points, and uh, every day he asks me if he's doing any better. And I explained that his final was Wales versus Austria. So um, he also had Turkey, and he had somebody else in the semifinals. But I think he may have even he may even have one of the actual semifinalists. So, um, yeah, he he's gonna take last place. I'm gonna I'm gonna be relegated in second to last, and we'll see who who, who survives. Um, thank you to everyone also who who played and who put in a a pick list because it has added a little dimension to the show and given us something else to talk about. All right, now for real, signing off. It's the Mr. Mike Agustinio. I will see you Tuesday night eight thirty. Eastern time uh, right here on the Twitter feed of the PTB media network on the website, www.parkitthebusmedia.com and on the PTB media networks, YouTube page. Don't forget hit subscribe and swipe over and click on that bell. So you get alerted and that's going to do it. See you next time. Agora vamos brindar novamente O sorriso na cara está sempre presente O nosso caminho é seguir em frente Esqueço o teu passado e vivo o presente E se for ter um levo toda a gente Ao meu lado tenho os mesmos deste sempre Firma na corrida com a fé na minha vida até o fim só sabemos viver assim
Dá-me essa bola, marca um golo, só um crack. Um crack. Fecha na claque, hoje é só loucura, vencemos o combate. Isso aqui é futebol, fizemos com amor, sem raça, Flying from the sun Hey, I hardly know you Can I confess I feel your heart Beating in my chest If you come with me Tonight's gonna be the one Cause you fail And no fear for the fight You pull hope from defeat In the night There's an image of you in my mind Could be mad, but you might just be right Just be right 